Live. Good morning. It is February the 15th. A lot of you made it through February the 14th, Valentine's Day. You that are married, I pray that you had an awesome, awesome time. For you that are unmarried, I pray that you had an awesome time also. We're here on tonight, and we're just going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. Uh, we're gonna, I have some things that I want to talk about tonight, and I have something on my mind uh, that, that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks now since Super Bowl weekend. And uh, the topic that I came up with tonight was when are we going to kick Satan out of the church? Now, some of you that are not Christian or religion, you may be a little offended by that. I'm not here to offend anyone. Uh, I, I believe everyone have a right to believe what they want to believe They because the wonderful thing about it is Jesus Christ gave us that opportunity to have a choice to choose whom we were going to serve. Either we're going to serve him and believe in him, or we're going to serve Satan and believe in him and follow him. So whichever way, you may not believe in Satan and you may not believe in God. You That's still a choice that you're making. So until God can manifest himself to you uh, or until something drastic happens where you, maybe he uh, will be able to show you a different way. Sometimes we just need to see something different. But I can understand why uh, Christian people don't have respect in the world on today and why things are happening. I want to um, just uh, put the platform down and, and kind of put some ground rules and some a little bit of background into why I'm talking about this subject on tonight. I've talked about it on a talk show with Apostle Martin Griffin. We had this discussion a couple weeks ago, and um, a lot of us, a lot of Christian people, uh, we have some thoughts and some ideas about what we think, uh, how we try to evangelize and reach the world, but it looks like it's not really being very effective. And why are we not being effective in evangelism and uh, propelling those, as scriptures say, that we go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in? You know, we know that that was basically speaking about um, uh, the parable where the rich man had prepared a table and invited all the guests and they had every excuse why they couldn't come. And so he tells the service to go out and, and gather those and bring them in, and they did. He's going the highways and the byways, and we know that uh, that's just a metaphoric uh, uh, parable that was given uh, to us. Uh, basically, we in this day and time, highways and byways mean we go outside of the church, and we go out into the communities and go out into the, you know, our neighborhoods, and we live that life, and we speak the gospel, we, we evangelize by giving them the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, and hoping that they will listen and that the, that the Spirit will touch them and that it will compel them to come into the house of the Lord. I know the power of Jesus Christ because without him, I would not be here right now to even give this message to you. I was not inside the church house when he called me. I grew up in church pretty much all of my life. And I know about church. I know church people. I know how we could be. I know uh, things that go on in the church. And so uh, when I was in the world, I enjoyed it. Some people uh, say they didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed every bit of it. I enjoyed the drinking. I loved to drink. I, that was one of my things. I was not a drug user, but alcohol is a drug, and it was my drug of choice, and I truly enjoyed it. Uh, I love men. I love to chase men, and I love to have them chase me. I enjoyed that. Uh, not to say that I don't enjoy it today, but I enjoy it in a different kind of way because I don't 
do the things that I used to do. And I know uh, the Bible says when Jesus Christ come in, he'll make us a new creature. Old things are passed away, and we become new. We become new in him, and I know that to be true because it has happened to me. I'm a new person. I don't think the same way that I used to think. I don't act the same way that I used to act. I don't do the things that I used to do. And so with that being said, I want to talk about uh, when are we going to kick Satan out of the church? And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by when are we going to kick Satan out of the church? Um, Super Bowl weekend, uh, it was a weekend, and it was a good game. I watched the game because I love sports. Uh, and uh, uh, But when I went to church that day, I talked to my friend. She called me and told me that they were going to be dressing down in their jerseys. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's okay with them. Well, I went dressed the way that I want to go dressed. I was not offended when I went in because I knew what to expect. But I got several calls. I'm a minister, so I got a couple of calls from some people that went to some other churches on Super Bowl Sunday, non-Christians. Now, this is coming from a non-Christian perspective. So you that are Christians, I want you to listen to what's being said because we're very defensive in the, in the Christian world and we want to uh, make justifications and we want to justify why we're doing things. I'm just telling you what the world is saying, and these are the things that they're saying. If they're saying it, then we need to stop and listen to what they're saying to us, and we need to do something about it. I don't know what you're going to do about it, but I do know that what I intend to do about it. First, I'm going to seek God and ask him for for the solution. I don't want to just bring problems and not have a solution to the problem. Why are we going to talk about a problem when there is when we don't have a solution to that problem? If you don't have a solution to the problem, then the best thing I feel, in my opinion, is not to even talk about it if we can't fix it. A lot of times we want to talk about things where we don't want to uh, put in the work and uh, even put in, you know, put the time in to fix these situations. So this is what the world is saying, and these are the things that I'm getting. This is the feedback that I'm getting. Now, it's 12.20 a.m. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona on February the 15th. I, I, I do keep late hours sometimes. Uh, I'm not depressed or anything like that. It just is, this is a time that I feel I went on to talk to you and I saw that there wasn't, this is a midnight hour. This is a very crucial time. I love the, the early morning hours. I love because I get a time when the house is quiet and everyone is down and I can really concentrate and I can really talk to the Lord and I can really seek his face and I can really get into his presence and I can just do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and just scream and holler if that's what I feel like I need to do for the moment when I'm in my prayer time with him. I love it. I love it. And, and I just, I'm telling you, if I could stay awake 24 hours praising the Lord, uh, that's what I would want to do. But I know the natural body it can it will not afford me to do that. So the world is saying some things and we as Christians need to listen and the things that they're saying, um, you may you that are Christians, uh, 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 Christ-like, or how, whatever title you want to attach to yourself, you might get a little upset about this, but it's good. I want you to get upset about it because you need to get upset about it, and you need to pay attention to what's being said. You're trying to draw the people that's doing the complaining. So if they're complaining about what you're doing, then what do we need to do to fix it? The number one thing they're complaining about. A person told me they went to church on Sunday. He walked in the church, and the church looked like he's at a Super Bowl party. He didn't know whether he was in a church house or whether he was at the Super Bowl. He was upset about that. He's a non-Christian, goes to church, you know, maybe two or three times a year, if that, uh, but not really dedicate his life to God, haven't really been around anyone, I guess, to, to um, 
make him want to do that. Uh, he's my ex-husband, so no matter what I do, I'm not going to be able to influence him anyway because he doesn't believe in me at all anyway. So I live, I, I was uh, in church when he divorced me, so my faith to him means nothing. Uh, but we still maintain a friendship with each other, and these are the things that he was complaining about. He said that when he went, he, said he could remember as a child going into the house of the Lord, that when he went to church, church was church. You knew you were in church. You could feel the presence of the Lord while you was in the church. But when he walked into church this time, and he said the message was good, but uh, the way that they tried to give the message to them, was not satisfied with that because when they come in the house of the Lord, they expect for the house of the Lord to be treated as the house of the Lord. Respect, show honor to the house of the Lord. And so we're trying to draw them in and trying to act like the world. We're not, he said, be, ye be in the world, but we, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we still have to separate ourselves from the world and the worldly things. Worldly people upset because he said the women were shaking, and he goes, you know, I've been at a club a night before, the same moves that I see them doing in the bar, I come to the church, and they're doing, that, doing it the same thing in the church. Music beat is the same, except you change a few of the words and put Jesus here and Jesus there. It's not touching anybody. It's not affecting any lives. It's not affecting change. The world doesn't like that. They don't want us trying to emulate them. They don't want us to try to look like them and try to act like them. We're dressing like them. We, they come in the church. we looking... Uh, just like they look, we don't know who who's who is uh, whose side who's on whose side. So they're upset about these things. Uh, to say that uh, it's not valid, they have some valid reasons, and so I'm listening to what they're saying. I believe what they're saying is accurate, and what they're saying is true. But one thing I know is that uh, we can be in the world, but we don't have to be a part of the world. Um, these are some of the issues that they're complaining about when they come in the church house. Uh, the way we're acting in church, how unfriendly we can be and how um, unloving we could be. And when they come in, they are searching and looking for something. I know that when I had got out of church, I was out of church for 13 years before I came back into the house of the Lord. 13 years is a long time to be out of the safety of the ark. But I know that people were praying for me, and if they weren't, I, I would pray that they did. Somebody prayed for me because, uh, like I said, I didn't receive the spirit of the God spoke to me. I was in my car coming from a college class, and it's just ironic how he set it up. And matter of fact, I was so intent, and I was happy doing what I was doing. I was happy in my sin. I didn't have any issues with it. I was happy doing what I was doing. I can remember a coworker of mine used to call me. She used to beg me to come to church. Uh, she had a family church, and I, you know, I, and to be honest with you, I was rude and condescending with her. I apologize, but I, you know, she used to ask me for years and years, and and I just told her one, I don't know why you keep asking me because I'm not coming to church. I don't want to come in the church. I don't want to be around church people. I don't like church people. I don't want to be around church people. I think they're fake and they're phony, and that's the way I felt, even though I had grew up in the church. Because I saw that how mean spirit some of them could be, how they hurt people and don't even care that they're hurting you, how they make accusations against you and how they try to tear you down. They weren't building me up. They were tearing me down. So I didn't want to be a part of church world anymore. I, I mean, I didn't believe in them. I, and every time maybe I might go to church, and I got to the point where I didn't even go on Easter. I didn't go on Christmas. 
I didn't go on Mother's Day. I didn't want to go into church. I was out. I was through. I was finished. I thought I could, you know, be in this world and, and still read my Bible and uh, still, uh, you know, believe in Jesus Christ but not go into the house of the Lord. But he said to forget not to assemble yourself in the house of the Lord. So when the Lord called me, I heard his voice. I just, he just simple, said it's time to come home. I knew what he meant. I mean, know he didn't mean for me to come to my natural house. I knew what he meant. And uh, I assumed that since I had left my brother's church and things had happened there, that I needed to go back and make amends to that and go back to my church where I came from. But that was not God's will for my life. Uh, it was just ironic. Uh, it happened to be on a Wednesday night. Uh, he did have Bible study on Wednesday nights. But his church was empty. There was no one there. The little church behind it was my friend's church. He'd been asking me for years to come. They were there having Bible study that night. I worked for the school system, and so when I drove in the parking lot, um, I saw these kids outside playing. Normally, I would have just turned around, put my car in reverse, and left because I didn't want to, you know, be around kids. I didn't want to be bothered. But I just couldn't do it that night. I parked my car. They were running all around the car playing some kind of ball or whatever. I didn't say anything to them. I just walked in the church, sat down, and my friend was so surprised. She she was happy to see me, and at the end of the service, the pastor asked me, did I want to have words? I just stood up and told them that I came to give my soul, to give my heart to the Lord, and I've been in ever since. That was in 2006. I've been in church ever since. Now, I'm not going to say that I haven't Falling along the wayside that I haven't, that I've been perfect all the way, I haven't been. But I know that the things that I used to do, I lost the taste and the desire for them. I had lost the taste for drinking before I got into church. Um, God kind of took that away from me. Not completely, but not the way I used to. Uh, but I was still had that strong sexual addiction in my life. And I still was craving men and wanting men. And I got, God had to work on me with that. He, he's still working on me with that. He, God's not through with me yet. He's still working on me. So when I was in the world, and when I would come to church, um, I came because there was something that was drawing me, something that drew me to the house of the Lord. And I know that it's the same way with other people. The presence of the Spirit of God has to draw you. So the, when God draws them and they come to the church, because, see, when I went into church, I, I didn't want to come into church and, and the thing that I was, the music that I listened to in the club, I don't want to hear that music when I come to church because I'm looking, I'm coming for something different. I'm coming for a Savior, to meet the Savior. And I'm coming because when I come, I'm having some issues and some problems and I need some help. I need some help and I need somebody to help me so we're not living the way we need to live. We don't have that power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost to deliver these people when they're coming in. So they're walking in the door. They're walking in with all kinds of things that the world has put on them. When they walk in, they shouldn't walk out the same way they came. There's a song saying, you won't leave like you came. Bound. They shouldn't leave bound. They shouldn't leave distressed. They shouldn't leave trouble. 
They shouldn't leave uh, with all these addictions that they walk in with. When they leave, they need to leave free. They need to be loose, free. Those demons and the things that bother us should be, you know, because God has the power to instantaneously take those things away from us. And sometimes we go through a process. But when they come in, they're complaining that saying that we, as Christians, are trying to be too much like the world, and they don't like that. Uh, when they come into the church house, they want to hear some. They want to hear the Jesus song. They want to hear Jesus in the song. But not only do they want to hear Jesus in the song, they want to feel Him. They want to see His manifestation. They want to see blind eyes open, cripple walk, the dead raised. I want to see it because I am a part of the body of Christ. Now, we are in the church. We know that those things are not for us. It's for the unbelievers. So if it's for the unbeliever when they come in, shouldn't those things be manifested in the house of the Lord? Shouldn't we be doing these things? But when they come in, they say they're coming in, but there's no substance. They're not getting anything out of it. You know, first they always say that we, they think that, you know, they don't think in the way that we think. They don't understand the blessings of giving. So naturally when they come in, they already have a mindset that we're just trying to get their money, and that's not true. We know that a workman, a servant is worthy uh, of worthy, they're worthy, and that uh, meaning that, when they work in the house of the Lord as men and women in the house, then the house of the Lord is supposed to support them. Some people don't agree with that, but it's scripturally based. And so I believe that uh, you're a minister, that, yes, the church should uh, support you in some kind of way. They should make sure that, that some basic things are taken care of because it, it's not easy being in ministry. It's very difficult. It's very hard work. You know, we are required to do things that most people won't do on a regular job or wouldn't do or will get paid a whole lot of money to do. So just think about ministry is not just about building. That's only maybe 3% of it, just being in the church behind that pulpit, giving the word. The other 97% is dealing with people, dealing with their issues, dealing with administrative issues of the church, just all kinds of things that we have to do. So when the world come in, we have to be free. We have to be able to meet them at their need. We have to be able to meet them just where they are at their need. So what are we doing about this? So since these things are happening, and I tell them, when are we going to kick Satan out of church? When they come inside the church, you see ministers sitting in the pulpit that are practicing alternative lifestyles, homosexuality, a lot of lesbianism going on. Satan's in the church. Uh, dating having sex without being married, fornicating, Satan is in the church. Backbiting, jealousy, envy of each other, Satan is in the church. The works of the devil, these are Satan's because he say the nine fruits of the Spirit. Once we receive his Holy Spirit, we will get those fruits of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, meekness. All the things, the nine fruits of the Spirit. So, since Satan is in the church, we know he's in the church. We're not oblivious and we're not blind. We see that he's in the church. What are we going to do to get him out? When are we going to kick Satan out of the church? When are we going to get him out of the choir? 
When are we going to get him out of the pulpit? Shepherding over God's sheep, shepherding over God's people, leading them astray. They know that they're leading the people astray, but they're still in the church. Satan is in the house. You're on the usher board. You're on the deacon board. You're going into, everyone wants to get trained and go through schooling. Schooling is fine. I have formal education, and I believe in education. I strongly believe in education, especially in the house of the Lord, but I believe in being spirit-led, spirit-filled. I believe that we have to expound on the word of God in order to be men and women of God. You should study to show yourself approvable or work with need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. So Satan is in the house because we're not rightly dividing his word. We're not giving it to people the way that they need to be given. It needs to be given to them. We're trying to make things too easy for them. And it's not easy being on this side. There, there are laws that we have to follow. You know, we know that um, the Torah, the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, we still have to follow those laws. Christ, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. He didn't come to do away with what he told us in, in, in Deuteronomy about it's an abomination for a man to lay with a man. That's an abomination before God. For a woman to be with a woman, that's an abomination. Satan is in the house. When are we going to kick him out? When are we going to put him out? When are we going to stand up and stop, you know, uh, being mealy mouth, meaty mouth with these people? When are we going to tell them the truth? When are we going to stop putting up with it? What are we afraid of? Things like we may be afraid of Satan, but why are we afraid of him when we have all the power? We have the power. We have the power to put him out of the house. That's just like somebody coming into your house and taking over your house. Are you going to sit back and let somebody do that? You might let it go on for just to see how far they're going to go, but at the end, you're going to have to take authority over that. You're going to have to take authority over that. You're going to have to straighten that situation out. We're going to have to take authority of the house of the Lord. If we seek his face and we ask him, he'll teach us how to do what we need to do, when we need to do it. Musicians sit in the church on drugs, playing in the house of the Lord. Musicians are a very important part of the ministry. They are a part of the ministry because they help to usher in the spirit. What spirit are they ushering in? What kind of spirit are you under? What kind of spiritual attacks are you dealing with? You might want to look at your leaders to see what's going on. Satan is in the house. When are we going to kick him out? When are we going to put him out? When are we going to put him out of the house? So that's something that I want to talk to you about. Um, the world is, is not satisfied. They're not happy when they come into the house of the Lord because they don't have respect for the house of the Lord because they see us as foolish. The thing where we're acting is foolishness to them. We have no power. They have no reason to want to come and be a part of what we're doing because we're not giving them a reason. So we're going to have to start changing some things in the house of the Lord and getting it back. Let's go back to the old landmark. Let's go back to the, some of the old foundations, and let's lay down some things because we've gotten away from some things. It's like King Josiah uh, when he became king and, and he sent them uh, to pay the men and women that were working in the temple of the Lord, and as they were working in the temple of the Lord, they found a book. The book was a Bible, was a scripture. Was a, they have the the generations had forgotten about it. They had forgotten about the word of the Lord. 
But when King Josiah, when he read the book, he repented. He started repairing, repairing the house of the Lord. And that's what we're going to have to do. we got to clean it up and clean it out. we got to get Satan out of that church. When are we going to put Satan out of the church? I want to say thank you for listening to me tonight. Um, it's something that was on my heart that I want to give to you. We will expound on this a little bit more. And um, if you need me at any time, you can always call me uh, at 602-323-1540. 602-323-1540. If you would like to contact me by mail, it's called My Ministry is The Vine and Branches. Restoration Ministries, The Vine and Branches, Restoration Ministries, P.O. Box 90930, Phoenix, Arizona. And that's The Vine and Branches, Restoration Ministries. You might want to send me a praise report, a testimony. You may even want to send a a donation to help in the ministry here. Uh, It's called The Vine and Branches, Restoration Ministries, P.O. Box 90930, Phoenix, Arizona, 85066. Thank you very much. I love you. Jesus Christ loves you more because he proved his love when he died on the cross for you and for me. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit may rest upon you, may rule in you, may it guide you, may it teach you. If you open your heart and let him come in, he will come in. And if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step. You need to come into the kingdom and help us build the kingdom. Come from out of what you're doing. Stop the things that you're doing and ask God to honestly seek him. I wasn't seeking him. I wasn't looking for him. He found me. But when he touched me and when he spoke to me, I obeyed. I answered his call. I answered calling of the Lord. And there may be someone that's listening on tonight. You heard what I said and God is speaking to you. Just be obedient to his word. Just follow his word. And just do what he tells you to do. Are you going to obey man or are you going to obey God? I obey God. And he's brought me from a long ways. And I'm going to tell you about that on my testimony sometime. I'm going to tell you what the Lord did to me, what the Lord did for me. So I'm going to sign out on tonight. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, This is a recording I know. Uh, You may be listening to this recording. And you might want to know um, how can I get in contact with the woman of God. You might need prayer. You might need a prayer of deliverance. But, you know, we have the ability to pray for ourselves. There's all kinds of prayers, different types of prayers. I like meditative prayer because that means I still my mind and and I put my petition before him and then I listen and I wait and I anticipate the answer that he's going to give to me. Most of the time when he answered my prayer, it's not even what I thought it was going to. He doesn't even answer it in the way that I think I thought that he should answer it because he said his ways are different from, he, he is as different from man as the heavens are from the earth. We don't think the way that he thinks. He created us. We didn't create him. And so he know all about us. We know nothing about him other than a little bit that we think we know, which is nothing which is nothing, but I do know that he's a good God. I know he's my friend, and he's your friend too. So, beloved, as I 
leave the airwaves. I just want to say that I love you, and Jesus Christ loves you more. God bless us, keep us in your will until we meet again, until you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But God, until we hear those words, we ask that you let your countenance to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. And God, that there is no one above you, there is none to be worshipped other than you. We call you Adonai. We call you Baba because you are our Father. El Shaddai. Jehovah Raphael, you are a healer on tonight. And thank you for your healing blood. Thank you for the blood that covers us, God. And when we call on the name of Jesus, there is no name other than the name of Jesus that can heal us, to deliver us, and to set us free. And we're free. We are free. We are free. Thank God we're free. Amen.